So we're recording earlier than usual today. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, luckily, in time. Just barely. You woke up 10 minutes before we were supposed to be recording. I'd forgotten we were recording today. Super professional. Yep. Why were you such a lazy bones waking up so late? So I went to sleep at 3 a.m. Okay. That's not an excuse. Because I was playing Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. With most people who you would say that to, they would chastise you for being terribly irresponsible. But I, as a fellow gamer, though I do not play Pokemon, I have never played Pokemon, I completely understand the notion of, oh, it's after dinner. I'm going to start playing a video game. And then, oh, it's three in the morning. When did this happen? I have no idea yep. when this happened. So you have my sympathies. Because basically, the uh, it's 20 years since the original Pokemon games came out. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the pokey heads all over Twitter talking about it. It's exciting time for all of us. And they've re-released the original games on the 3DS. Uh-huh. So I was playing uh, Pokemon Yellow, which is my favorite of the originals. Although mm-hmm. it's kind of not slightly original. Just so I say that so I don't get a ton of follow-up. But I think people understand what I'm getting at. And... Uh, there is a Pokemon, the 151st Pokemon, called Mew, Gray. And Mew is extremely rare. And you can't actually catch Mew in the game, but you would used to be able to get codes from like game stores or events to unlock the character. Mm-hmm. But there is a glitch in the game. And I'd never done that before. And I figured, why not give it a go? It took me four hours <laughs> to, <laughs> to get it to work. There's a lot of steps that you have to do, and one of the steps is basically just a ton of grinding until mm-hmm. you can catch a specific Pokemon that you need. So it took me a long time, and then when I got close to it happening, I then had to finish it, and then 3 a.m. rolled around. But you got your Mew. I did get Mew, yeah. I am at least familiar with Mew. Because I had a friend in college who watched the Pokemon TV show. So I've seen episodes of it. Such a great show. He was on Team Rocket. No. No? Yeah, it's the cat on Team Rocket. The ones who are always thrown over the horizon at the end. Nope. That's mute. No, listen, I'm a pokey expert here. All right. Because I saw episodes of a TV show in a random order uh, like 12 years ago, 15 years ago. I know what I'm talking about. You got it. The Team Rocket Cat. That's the one I'm talking about. That's yeah, it. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, Team Rocket Cat. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, we're on the same page here. Yeah, you were bang on with that one, Greg. Great, thank you. What's your email address again? <laughs> None of your business at cgpgray.com. You should have that as an email address. We were talking about, um, on Instant Message today, we were talking about business cards. Yeah. If you are going to the business dinner for the UK top tech people thing. Mm-hmm. And you were making me think like, oh, I need a business card. And of course, then it's like, oh, well, I have actual work to do. Let me spec out a business card for myself instead on Moo.com. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is a good thing to do. Which then, of course, derailed into like, oh, what contact information am I going to put on this business card? Because I don't want to give out my actual daily email address. Like, I want to have something different. Which then devolved into a good 30 minutes of trying to think of a cool email address to put on my card that I could use as a filtering system so that if I do hand someone my card, their email will go through the high priority queue because Mm -hmm. I know like, oh yes, this is a person I've given a business card to, so. You've given this person a piece of paper. Like that is a, you know, that's high on the the gray system, I think. Yeah, But but I did realize like, okay, I have spent 30 minutes trying to come up with something kind of cool and interesting as a secret email address for my card. And I eventually came up with something that I quite liked, which I'm obviously not going to share on the podcast right now. But 
This is what business looks like. Ooh, I need to I need to design a business card, even though I have had no reason to hand out a business card to anyone in maybe the past six months. <laughs> business cards, when you do the type of stuff that we do, are a really interesting thing. Because mm. I have maybe five or six times a year that I would be in a situation where I would hand out a business card, mm-hmm. and about 0.1 times a year where I do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, it just never happens. Uh, so much so that last year, um, I took I had some business cards made. This is maybe last year or the year before. I had some business cards made, and I took them with me to a trip. And I think I left them in the hotel, mm-hmm. so I lost like 150 business cards. But I had like a one in my bag of maybe 25 or so. I still have them, right? <laughs> like they're fine. <laughs> still got them. So we're all good, but I, I, I'm, I'm thinking I should probably order some more. Again, why I don't know because I never hand them out to anybody. But just in case you want to be in a situation where you had them, and I did hand out one business card at my business at my business dinner. See, there you go. So I, I've done my point one. Yeah, that's the thing with the business cards, right? Is is you almost at least in our situation anyway, you almost never need them. But on the rare occasion when you do, it's really helpful to have it just to be able to yep. like give someone a piece of paper and say, here is how you get in touch with me if you ever want to. And you don't have to faff around with spelling out an email address, making sure the person's typed it correctly. Like you don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. And it can be handy. Because me and you are both in the situation that our names don't immediately just pop into somebody's head as how you would spell them. Because I use a right. Y and you use an E, right? Well, right. You don't use it. It's in there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also you've got the letters, right? Which people yeah. get wrong constantly. Yeah, yeah. So it's useful to have it written down or something. I was just trying to find my first business cards that I posted on Twitter a while back. I'll send this to you. This is from 2012. I, obviously, we can't actually post this because it still has my email address on there. So I'll have to be sure to get rid of that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is back when, this is back when, as a fool, I would just give out my actual email address. Yeah. <laughs> I'll paint the uh, word picture, shall I? Yeah, you paint a word picture. It looks like you made it in Keynote. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, it's just black with CGP gray on one side with the dots in the middle. Yeah. Which I don't think you do very often, do you? Or do you? This is like a style guide thing, right? How do you, how do you actually want to write it? And... I used to always write it with the dots, but I have I've moved away from the dots. Okay, this is going to sound a little, a little overly picky, but I've moved away from the dots because to get the dots to look right so that they're actually initials like they're supposed to be, the kerning never works with the dot after the P versus the dots after the C and the G. Mm-hmm. So it always looks like the dot from the P is floating off in space and... On a few things where I have it, like I think on my website, I've manually kerned over the dot so that it looks right. But most of the times when you type it, it looks terrible. So this is why I have now just gone to CGP without dots, as though that is my first name, which basically feels like it is at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's the other thing is I don't think the dots work because CGP is your name now. Yeah. It's not CGP. Yeah. Right? Like it's not that. I completely agree. I actually do have a text document on my computer, which is, uh, what do they call it? Like, I call it like the gray style guide, <laughs> where I make these decisions, I write them down. Just sometimes when I forget things, like there's a couple little picky things about how do I want to do stuff in what, the way I'm writing on my website or the way I link things. 
And yeah, a while back, I made the decision to get rid of the dots. And I think it was the correct decision. I think that was a good way to go. And then on the flip side, you have a bunch of links. You have at CGP Grey. You have cgpgray.com with a www at the start. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's how you know it's 2012. Yep. <laughs> then you have secret email address and then youtube.com slash cgpgray. Yeah. thing I'm trying to find, which I can't find, and I enjoyed quite a lot, was I... That was the very first card that I had made up. But the second time I went to a conference, I made up a card that said CGP Grey. And then for my title beneath my name, I wrote professional explainer, but with a question mark. Like, it's not like, I, like I didn't even know how to describe what I was doing. And so I was trying to make that as like a joke on my own business card. Like, oh, hi, I'm CGP Grey. What do you do for a living? I'm a professional explainer, I guess. <laughs> right. Like that's the, that was like the shrug that my business card was doing, which was not a very good idea. Um, if I, uh, if I have time, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can, uh, give you a copy of what my current business card will look like when I get them printed and sent to me. I will put a link in the show notes to my, my current business cards. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They look good. You, you have the multiple color business cards. Yeah. That wasn't an idea from our designer. He, he put together my card for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get them reprinted like that. Because I, I like them a lot. And mine just say, it has our logo on. Uh, it says Mike Kelly co-founder. has my email address, my phone number, my Twitter handle, and then kind of a little bit of what Relay FM is on the card. I think they look good. They're also, they're also the vertical business card, which I think is a good move. I think it looks nice. Yeah, yeah. that was another thing. He just kind of, when the design came through, it was in vertical. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's how we'll do it this time. Nice work. And it also has the uh, official Relay slogan, which I never remember, which yep. is switch on. Yeah, which nobody ever uses, uh, including us. It only ever <laughs> gets really used on our business cards and sometimes on Twitter headers. But it's at the bottom of our website. <laughs> I never remember this. I'm like, oh, right. Yes, that's it. All right. We have some extremely important follow up. Oh, yeah, I guess we do. Probably the most important follow up that we will ever have. Yes, it is exciting news that... Apple has made a PR announcement mm-hmm. that using the pencil for navigation is going to be restored in the next version of the iOS beta. Yep. So I'm very much looking forward to that. As always with these things, I, I still always feel nervous about something until it actually happens. And at the time that we are recording, the next beta has not yet come out. Although if the past Cortex releases are anything to go by, Apple seems to wait for us to put up a show and then releases a beta. So we will see how that works out. But uh, yes, I am extremely, extremely pleased and relieved that this is what's going to happen in the next beta. Thank you, Apple. Thank you so much. For posterity, should I do a little chain of events? What happened from the last episode to this episode so people listening in the future will have context? Yeah, for the archives, go right ahead. So after our episode last week, uh, this situation started to pick up steam a little bit, Um, as well as us continuing to talk about this a bunch. Um, there was an article written on I'm War by a friend of the show, Serenity Caldwell, and you were quoted in that article mm-hmm. by direct quote, I might add, not just from this show. That's how people on Twitter knew that I was really serious because it was like, you talk to a reporter, you never talk to a reporter. <laughs> it's like, yes, under this circumstance, for an issue as important as the Apple Pencil, I will talk to a reporter. <laughs> then uh, MacRumors.com ran a piece where they incorrectly attributed a quote from you to me. 
saying sources in the know confirm the removing of the functionality of the Apple Pencil is a decision inside of Apple. It's not a bug, right? Which mm-hmm. me and you know to be true at the time. So they uh, they ran that, so that was good. And then I got picked up by a few other places. And basically over the space of like 24 hours, I think, from the last episode posting, this became a thing that was popping up in a lot of places to wit Apple then released their statement. Yeah, it it looked like basically this little steamroll happened that our episode went up, the article on I'm More went up, it got picked up in a few more places, and then ultimately landed on the front page of Daring Fireball. Yeah. And it, I think all of this together was enough of a thing that Apple started worrying about this becoming a much bigger story. Yeah. Whereas, like, this is picking up steam a little too fast, a little too quickly. And so they released this announcement, which there has been some debate about this announcement because it's, it's a little bit strange because the PR announcement says that Apple was always planning to bring back the navigation and that they just temporarily turned it off while they were working out some bugs. And this is one of those moments, dear listeners, where you have to decide who you're going to believe because all I'm going to say is that I have several people in the know who confirmed to my satisfaction that that was not the case, that there was definitely a debate inside of apple that went one way to change things so it's a bit of it's a bit of a weird thing like i'm very happy that apple has taken feedback and they have changed their mind on this topic but it's also a little weird that they released a press announcement giving the impression that they had never changed their mind so it's just it's a bit strange but i'm i'm very happy about it and it seems like this is uh as Jason Snell actually said on Clockwise, on one of his episodes, which I totally agree with, I like this new Apple. I like the idea that they are open in the betas, that they are releasing new features at random times that people can see ahead of time. Like, this is the point of a beta, is it not? To get feedback from people and to take that on board or to not take that on board, but to be open about it. So... Um, uh, overall, I'm very pleased with the way things have gone. Yeah, so there's one other little thing, and I just want to see. I, this is funny to me. Somebody suggested this to me, and I think it's very funny, so I wanted to bring it up. There was, there was rumored to be an Apple event happening on uh, the 15th of March. Mm-hmm. It's now been pushed back, apparently, to the 22nd. Oh, has it? And I think you're responsible. <laughs> oh, yeah? You think this is my fault? Yeah. Yeah, I think that they've had to leave, uh, they've had to leave 9.3 in the, in, the, in the oven for another week because of us. And, uh, oh, I see. Right, because this wasn't <laughs> planned to be in the actual release. No. They're, <laughs> that they're busy ripping out all the code, yeah. which tells the pen, pencil <laughs> to ignore inputs. And so they need another scrum week to yep. get the 9.3 release out. That's what I think it is. I don't care if you're right. I'm going to think that you're right because it's funny. I, that's, somebody said it to me and I was like, there's no way that's the case. However, I think that's hilarious. So I'm going to run with that. I like it. I like it very much. We also have a very important announcement. Yeah. Uh, the official campaign logo for Grey Hurley 2016 has been created. Okay. Yeah, so you have gone crazy with this. <laughs> you, you, made, you made this offhand joke in the last episode at the very end about... Gray Hurley 2016, when we both said at the same time that Apple should do the right thing. You made mm-hmm. a little joke. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a funny little joke. It's great. Keep it in the podcast. Uh, but since then, 
you have had the relay designer working on like campaign posters and yep. photoshopping stuff and you keep sending me this stuff by iMessage it's like you know we're not actually running for president mike right but you're like getting getting the posters already this was just one of those little things that struck me and i thought it was really funny mhm so i just asked frank if he would do something and i think he's turned out a pretty fantastic logo he has he has i agree it it looks very good it looks very American. It fits in with all of the design language for campaign posters. So I presume it will be in the show notes yes. for people to check out. <laughs> yep. And I'm, you know, I'm just thinking now where else we can focus our campaign. So we have that running for us. Because clearly we've been very successful so far. Yeah. In our only real official point, we've, we've completely been a success. That's true. We have made the iPad great again. Yep. We sure have. We sure have. Bumper stickers incoming. <laughs> okay, so while this has been all fun and games, I do have one very sad, very tragic piece of Apple Pencil related news that's personal to my life. Oh no. So the Apple Pencil that I got back when they were first made available that's been working with me tirelessly every day since I got it, inevitably and tragically, it had a fatal interaction with a washing machine. (gasps) It was only a matter of time. But sure enough, it was left in my pocket. My own carelessness led to the death of such a beloved tool. All I can say, though, is I'm at least glad that my pencil lived long enough to know <laughs> to know that the campaign that it was fighting for for the right of apple pencils the world over to be able to interact with the navigation that this campaign was victorious so while my pencil has fallen pencils around the world will be able to rise up and take their proper place in the Apple ecosystem. But I will ask, out of respect for our fallen hero, for a moment of silence. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible includes more than 180,000 audio programs from some of the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and more. And Audible is offering a 30-day trial membership to listeners of this very show. Just go to audible.com slash Cortex to take a look at their fantastic catalog of audio programs. And you can also grab their app if you want to listen on the go. Now, this time, I have two recommendations for you. I have a recommendation from myself, and I also have a recommendation for the next edition of the Cortex Book Club coming very soon to this very show. So I'll start off with the recommendation. So the next book that we have decided to do on the Cortex Business Book Club is Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who is one of the co-founders of Pixar. And he has managed creative people for years and years, and he distills everything that he has learned into this book, Creativity Inc. So I'm looking forward to reading it. I haven't read it yet, but I have heard 
great things. So I'm looking forward to this one. This was actually my pick because it was a book that I really wanted to read. So you can go to audible.com and you can get Creativity Inc. now and you can listen along. And then when me and Gray talk about it in our next episode, you will know exactly everything that we're talking about. Now, the second book that I want to recommend is a book called The Second Coming of Steve Jobs. This is my favorite book about Steve Jobs. So this book was written in 2001, long before the iPhone came around. So a lot of this story actually does focus on Pixar, because at this point in Steve Jobs' life, this would also become a huge accomplishment of him in helping build Pixar up to be the animation juggernaut that it became. So you'll be able to take a listen to how Steve Jobs got involved in Pixar and then kind of how he helped build it up. It really is a very interesting look inside the story of Pixar. So that is another fantastic recommendation. Maybe you could listen to both if you are so inclined. But you can choose from any of the audiobooks, any of the 180,000 audio programs that Audible has on offer. So go to audible.com slash cortex to get started with your 30-day free trial. Thank you so much to audible.com for their support of this show and Relay FM. This is turning into a pretty monumental episode, Gray. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had our first real success as a show. Um, and now we're finally going to be addressing a topic from that uh, was brought up in episode one that I think I still hear about every week um, for people asking me when we're going to talk about it. Mm. And it's calendaring. Oh, yes. Calendaring. So we will, we will address today my original claim to you that even sleep is blocked out on your calendar, mm-hmm. uh, which was a fact that I discovered during our conversation of, of agreeing to do this show together. Yeah, this was a conversation we had even pre- Cortex conversations. We yeah, were just talking about work in general, and this came up as a thing. Well, it, I think it was when we were sitting at dinner, hash, thrashing out the idea to do the show. Yeah, maybe, maybe that sounds right. Because you had things happening on your calendar because I'd overrun my time with you that day. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Mike. I, I, I was I was counting the grains of sand as they fell out of the hourglass of how much time you had left with me. That's how that worked. I wonder if like a, a pre-computer CGP Gray, if he would have used systems like that. I can only imagine you'd just have you'd be carry around like a, a trailer full of hourglasses that just tick off the certain things that you have to do each day. I'm pretty sure that if I was a monk. Or something, I would be using hourglasses, right? Because I use timers all the time. The, the The idea of a timer is not intrinsically connected to my phone or my watch. So I'm pretty sure that yeah, if I was if I was a monk 200 years ago, you know, doing whatever monks do, transcribing books all day or something, I would be doing the exact same thing of working in units for my turning my hourglass over and over again, and uh, having a smaller hourglass for breaks. You know, to using that one. I'm, I'm I'm confident that's what I would be doing. So this went in a direction I wasn't anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> Historical CGP Grey. Yeah. Let's start with what apps and services uh, we both use for calendaring. Because I, I use a calendar, right? Like many people. I think it might be interesting to position how I use a calendar and how you use a calendar and how they're completely different, I think, by what we're trying to get out of them. Um, I use Fantastical. Mm-hmm. Um, on all of my devices, which it's a iOS and Mac app that I really love. And my favorite thing about Fantastical is the natural language input. So you, for example, would type lunch with CGP Grey, and it enters all of that into your calendar, right? So it's, or you could say like, lunch at CGP Grey at the lunch place, mm-hmm. and it would put 
an event that says lunch would be great, location would be lunch place, and it would know the time it put 12 o'clock or whatever and enter it. That's what I really like about it mainly is that natural language stuff because it makes more sense to the way that I want to do things rather than checking a bunch of boxes. Um, and I use a combination of iCloud calendars because I have been using it for years and calendaring on iCloud is one of the things I have no problem with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll talk another time about address books or something. Jeez, nothing, just nothing. I put something in one device, it never comes up on the other one. Like I changed your little icon from a waving gray to the gray logo mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. I've had to change it on all of my devices independently. Yeah, well, that, that, that's how syncing works, Mike. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> you are the sync service. I am the sync service. I am the go-between. And I also use um, a little bit of Google Calendar stuff uh, because people send me invites to my email address, right, which is a Google Apps account. But what do you use? I use a combination of Fantastical and Apple's built-in calendar. Hmm. That's what I'm, I'm using for, for different reasons on different devices uh, and the way they display different things i think maybe before we get too into the nitty-gritty details of it there's there's like these there's like a big question about how you use calendars like what's your calendaring philosophy and what is your calendaring philosophy mike because i'm I'm, you're the person who has to actually deal with lots of stuff happening at specific times right my life my life, Mike, is just an open field mm-hmm. in every direction, mm-hmm. right? With the wind gently blowing, you know, it's, it's nice and relaxed and, and zen. And your life, as we have discussed before, is, is like this horrific obstacle course with jail bars that you build for yourself about that constrain where you can be at specific times and all kinds of a complicated landscape. And so it seems like a calendar is a tool that you have much more need for than I do. Yeah, thanks for that accurate um, description of how our lives are. Um, My calendar is used for appointments. So things that happen at certain times. Um, Or if I'm away or whatever on holiday, I will block that out so I know it's happening on certain days, that kind of thing. So, for example, today I have Record Cortex on my calendar. I have Record Upgrade on my calendar. So the show's that I record are all on my calendar. So I know that if I get any requests for meetings or appointments or calls, that time is blocked out. I can see it at a glance. Okay, I know that I'm going to be doing this then. Um, Then I put in things that I do with my girlfriend. We have a shared calendar. That sort of stuff goes on there. So if we're going somewhere, then I'll put it on there. And I also use... Um, our shared calendar as a way to update her about certain days out that I'm going to be taking stuff so she has an idea of where I am at certain times if needs be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, as I say, also put like conference calls and meetings and things like that. So it's purely appointments and events that will take time up. What I don't put on the calendar are things like edit cortex. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that doesn't need to happen at a specific time. That is a task for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will have it trigger at a certain time in OmniFocus to tell me to start doing it then. And then I will do it then if I can do it right then or I'll move it around. So I use, I use those two things very differently. Um, and I consider anything that's a task, anything that requires a completion will go in OmniFocus. Anything that is happening at that fixed time because you've agreed it with somebody else goes in my calendar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my calendaring philosophy. 
Yeah, so this this to me sounds like it lines up very closely with what is the strict getting things done interpretation of calendaring, which is only events that happen at a specific time, right? Where there is an external requirement in the world that you be doing something at exactly that time. And so the rest of your calendar is presumably clear, right? Nothing is nothing is listed on there. Exactly. And it sounds, it's, it almost sounds like a dumb thing to say, like, oh, you put appointments on a calendar. But I think a really important thing to keep in mind is just like to be very clear on what is this tool for? What is it not for? And so, yes, if if, if you don't want to put something like editing Cortex on the calendar, that's quite a reasonable thing to do because you think like, okay, well, this can happen at almost any time. It, it like it is not the same thing as like if we didn't, we, you know, we're recording at an unusual time this this week. If we didn't record this episode now, we wouldn't be able to record this episode for maybe another week because of scheduling conflicts between the two of us coming up. So like this has to happen right now, so it has to be on the calendar. But there's tons of stuff which doesn't have to happen at a specific time. And that is the, like I said, that is the getting things done interpretation of calendars. And so when I used to have a life that was much more like yours when I was working as a teacher, I would do the same thing of like, okay, I'm going to have all of my classes that I teach. They're going to be on calendars, any appointments or meetings or anything like that. That is all on the calendars. But the spaces between classes were almost always just clear. And I would do the same thing that you would do. It was like, okay, I have a task list. I have a bunch of checklists of things that I want to do during the day. And any space on the calendar that is clear, that's when I'd switch tools and say, okay, I'm not using the calendar. I'm now switching to the task list, which is presenting me a bunch of things to do. And I'm going to try to grind through as many of those as possible. And then because the calendar is electronic, like it'll beep you when something comes up on the landscape of like, okay, and now I need to... Uh, you know, prepare for this class or go to this dumb meeting, <laughs> I know, that kind of thing. But they're two different tools, like task list versus calendar are very separate things. All right, so sleep being blocked out, right? This is, <laughs> this is something that I, like all of our listeners, have been very interested to understand more about because I don't know the answer. I saw this, I said, we should talk about that one day and then left it. And right. it's something that I think about a lot because I can't fully understand why you do this. Now, just from my perspective, allow me to explain to you why I think this is strange to see. Okay. So it might at least help paint the picture for why I I think it's peculiar. You know you're going to sleep every day, right? Like that is going to happen, right? Sleep will occur because it kind of has to. Eventually, you lose that battle. It's going to happen. Exactly. Even if you're busy catching Muse, eventually it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it did. It really snuck up on me there. Um, and I assume that you have a pretty good idea of the time that you go to sleep every day. You keep talking, man. Okay. That It's not like you could just forget. Now, you could do what I did, where you could stay up too late, but no calendar event was going to make me go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Because I was busy, I was catching them all, man. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So why do you block sleep out on your calendar? Okay, so here's the thing: we're talking about calendaring at a at a funny time for me and the way I use calendars. 
because I'm beginning to change a little bit the way that I work. But one thing that I find is quite useful with calendars is, okay, so you have this idea of, okay, here are my appointments. They're going to happen at various times. But the other thing that a calendar can be useful for is as a way to plan out how you want to spend your time. And this for me as a person who, as I mentioned before, is just standing in the middle of this open Zen-like field, there is no structure on the day most days. And so I am the person who has to impose the structure on myself. And so I have always found a calendar to be a useful way to try and get a handle on how much time do I have available to do various things. And it is a very interesting exercise to sit down with a calendar as a self-employed person and try to plan out how much time do I have, how much time do I want to have for various kinds of tasks in my life. And so, speaking of uh, tools and tricks for the moment, one of the reasons why I use Fantastical, particularly on the Mac, is twofold. First, it allows you to look at a two-week view, which is much more useful for my life. I tend to think in two-week chunks. I don't like the one week. One week is so small and constraining. Two weeks is way better. And secondly, it has the ability to switch between different calendar groups. So I have so many calendars uh, in my system that sync back and forth with so many people and for so many different things, but they fall into two broad categories, which is different kind of appointments, which is kind of like the action calendar. But then I have a whole other set of calendars that I use to just plan out how in theory do I want to spend my time. And so the reason that sleep is on my calendar is because the first big unmovable block always when planning out my time is, okay, in theory, when do I need to go to bed and when do I need to wake up? And so I put that on my calendar as part of the planning my life section of calendars that I have. Because I want to visually see, look, man, if you're working a whole day, when do you need to be awake by and when do you need to go to sleep by and then how much time is left in the day? So sleep is on there because it is the biggest chunk of the day and I want to visually see it on a calendar when I'm looking at something like a 14-day planning my theoretical perfect two-week time period. So that's why I put sleep on the calendar. Hmm. Let's listen to that. Hmm. You don't like that at all. But you wouldn't schedule something at like 3 a.m. though, right? No, I'm not going to schedule something at 3 a.m. You... Okay, look. Here, no, I understand. No, I do understand. I just had to say that. I, I understand what you're saying. You just want to be able to see it visually. It's not because you might accidentally put something in. I've just wanted to say you wouldn't schedule something at 3 a.m. to you for about six months. Yeah. So I had to get it out. Yeah, no, that's fine. Here, let me let me send you something, Mike. Here, let okay. me send you something, right? 
I, I hate to keep bringing up this Amsterdam trip. I'm going to bring it up again. I only bring it up, people, because, again, it was like the Grey Incorporated retreat. And it's like, oh, I got all these great ideas and it had this huge effect on me. So I apologize if I keep mentioning this trip, but it really did matter. Uh, so on the most recent trip, I didn't use a calendar. I used the iPad Pro to do it. But let me send you, Mike, me putting together a sample two-week period for myself. So I'm going to instant message you something right now so you can see. Actually, you can put this in the show notes as well if the people want to see. Well, there, there's a calendar. <laughs> okay. What have I just sent you, Mike? Uh, the scribblings of a madman, it looks like. <laughs> does, it look, does it look like the scribblings of a madman? I think not. I think the listeners can decide. All right. So, okay. Because radio is uh, theater of the mind. Mm-hmm. We have across the top, um, we have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It carries on. I think you've got, what, three weeks planned out here? It's two weeks. Two weeks? Okay, yeah, I see. And then down the the bottom, which is the part... See, this is where this is where I, uh, I'm trying to get away from saying x-axis and y-axis, because I can never remember which is which. Can you help the people? <laughs> it's the negative y-axis. See, this is why I can't do it. It's just getting more confusing. On the negative y-axis, uh, we have... It starts at 6. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming that's you saying you're going to be awake from 6 till 4? Right, 6 in the morning until 4. That's, that's What you're looking at is a piece of graph paper where I was sitting down and... Oh, and then there's a bunch of letters and scribbles. That's yeah. the one thing that I forgot to mention. Right. I was sitting down and trying to plan out a theoretical two weeks that would be perfect, like a two-week block of how do I want to spend my time and then repeat that two-week block forever over my working career, right? Like, like what does a perfect two-week block look like in my life? And so this is an exercise that is extremely helpful. So on this piece of graph paper, each block represents an hour. And I was going through and writing in various things on each of the blocks for how much time do I want to spend on this? How much time do I want to spend on that? You know, you know what activities are going to happen when? And in the theme of the year of less, it's a very eye-opening experience to do this. And again, to be forced to look at the constraints of how much time do you actually have available to do various things and so yeah in in theory my workday here is you know starts at six and sort of ends at four and there's a bunch of things that i want to do and you realize like oh there's actually not a whole lot of time in here like of this things that i am going to schedule there's less than you think there is so this handwritten thing I eventually converted into a bunch of calendars that are in my system so that I have it on my computer and everything. But this was me brainstorming and thinking about how do I want to arrange this kind of stuff in my life. I can see me on this calendar. Oh, yeah? You can see you? What do you think you are, Mike? PC and CC. Oh, yeah? Is that what you think you are? Yeah, Podcast Cortex. Oh, yeah? I don't know what the C would stand for because I would expect there to be an E for editing Cortex. And I came to this because there's a PH and a CH, and I assume that's podcasting Hello Internet. And I don't know what C is, Hello Internet. Editing? What, what is C? This is, no, you, you can't, this is like the Enigma, Mike. You're not going to crack this code. Constructing? 
<laughs> it's not going to happen. Creating, crafting, <laughs> correcting. <laughs> that that feels more. That feels more likely. <laughs> what is it? What's the C? I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it to your imagination. What I like though is that Hello Internet has two full days, two like day entries here. Yeah, presuming that's the Hello Internet editing, which you are totally right. Yeah, Hello Internet takes up way more. Oh no, of my three. Time There's three editing uh, things here. And that is because we share the the editing load, which I think is different to Hello Internet, right? So I take a pass and then you take a pass. I think that's why there's the yeah, that's that's exactly why it's 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 different uh, on the different weeks. What's the C stand for? I'm not going to tell you. Just this, it's fun. and this also leaves the listeners something to do. <sighs> yeah, please suggest listeners what that C stands for. <laughs> if you assume that what we're doing is is it cutting? I'm not. I'm not telling you anything. Okay. Just leave it. Just leave it, man. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> this episode of Cortex is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. Ministry of Supply believes that everyday clothing should be smarter by now. It should be designed for the needs of a body in motion, not a mannequin. We're always moving around, and our clothes should adapt to us. The only way you're going to feel comfortable in your clothes is if they're designed to work with your body instead of against your body. And that's what drives Ministry of Supply. They are a professional performance menswear company that launched out of MIT four years ago. They make polished business clothes that are engineered to provide technical benefits like body temperature regulation to keep you from getting too hot or too cold, sweat wicking fibers to keep you dry, and stretchable fabrics to allow you to move freely. Now they sent me a couple of samples that I could try out myself and I put on their business shirt, their sort of standard collared front button down business shirt. And let me tell you, this is the only shirt that I would buy and wear every day. I spent forever looking for colored business shirts to wear when I was teaching, a job where I was moving around all the time, where I was just constantly too hot and gross and sweaty. I was always trying to find a shirt that was good looking, that was also light, that felt great. I never found something, and that's because Ministry of Supply didn't exist when I was a teacher. But it is great. The instant I touched it, I knew this was the kind of shirt that I would want to wear all the time. They also sent me one of their Eon series pullover tops, sort of it's halfway between a sweater and a long sleeve crew neck shirt. And it was very comfortable. But more importantly, literally every person I ran into in my life while I was wearing this Eon series mid-layer crew neck shirt Every single person commented on how great I looked in this shirt. And was it new when they wanted to know what it was? So that's the kind of recommendation that I'm passing along here. All of their clothes are easy to maintain. They're wrinkle resistant. You can wash and dry them at home with no need to iron, which is, of course, the best part. No ironing. Seriously. Now, if this sounds good to you, you can find out more and shop online at ministryofsupply.com slash Cortex. And if you use the code Cortex, you'll get 15% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. And hey, if you live in either Boston or you live in San Francisco, you can go into their store in person and mention this offer code Cortex and get 15% off your first purchase there. I really like this idea of people going into a store in person and using an offer code. 
I really think that you should do this. Let me know on Twitter if you do, because this is just hilarious to me. And I think it's a great idea. So ministryofsupply.com slash cortex or go to 299 Newbury Street in Boston or 1903 Fillmore Street in San Francisco and use the offer code CORTEX to get 15% off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Ministry of Supply for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So what this would suggest then is that you're moving away from putting sleep on your calendar. You're, you're transitioning to a new more logical system. No, 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 you don't understand, Mike. This is the only reason sleep isn't on here is because the graphing paper isn't big enough. Like I just pulled up a graphing paper template on my iPad Pro, uh-huh. and here I don't need to have 24 hours written. But I'm looking at my looking at my calendar on my actual computer. I have sleep marked off as well because, in theory, for my planning mode, where I'm looking at how do I want the days to go, I want every single hour occupied on that calendar now that sounds crazy it doesn't mean that i want to be working every single hour but it does mean i also block off what is free time right so in the calendar i will i don't want white space when i'm trying to plan how does a week look i want to actually put in this time is time that is unallocated and i just really think this is just like I think every self-employed person should have a spreadsheet that tells them what is their return on investment per hour time per project. Like, I think that is a vital thing to do. I think everyone who is self-employed or anybody who is trying to be self-employed or anybody in the working world or students or anybody should really at some point go through the exercise of saying, what would an ideal week for me look like? And block out what all of that time would look like on the calendar. It is surprisingly revealing. Now, it doesn't mean that you are some kind of machine that just does this perfectly, right? So like when I try to talk to people about calendars sometimes, I always get these replies where people are like, oh, you have every single hour blocked off and so you just do things automatically when they happen. It's like, listen, listen, nothing like that happens in the world. It's just like having a to-do list, right? Having the to-do list doesn't mean that you just sit down and always get everything on the to-do list done. Like, It's way easier to put go to the gym on the calendar than it is to actually always go to the gym. But it's it's a starting point, right? It's a frame of reference that helps constrain and focus you on how many things can you actually do. And going through this calendar when I was brainstorming it out and trying to think about how do I want to spend my time, this was very much part of what led me to this whole idea for the year of less and realizing like, man, the, you know, the project that I mentioned a couple episodes ago of killing of realizing like, if this is successful, I've just added a whole nother YouTube channels worth of work to my life was by looking at a calendar and saying like, there just isn't time for this, that projects that I do in the future have to be able to be converted to self-sustaining on their own, or I can't take them on at this stage. And part of that is sitting down and being a grown-up and facing the constraints of life and how much time do you actually have available to do things. Okay. Yeah? Does that make sense to you, Mike? Not so much so in some of the other things that we've done have made me think about my system differently. Um, Mm Because I just... I, I get why you're doing this. I just don't have any desire to do it this way myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because my projects are mainly podcasts and they tend to be on my calendar. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have a. I feel like right now I have a pretty good handle on what I can complete every week. Mm-hmm. And because my work is more structured than your work, mm-hmm. um, I know if I. I just already know always if I can take on a new project or not because I know what my structure is. Yeah, your calendar because your life is so appointment constraint based your calendar in a way is more naturally like this yeah right it, you, you this is less of a of an exercise that it has utility for you than it does for me i still think it would be interesting for you to try to map out all the time around that just to see what you want to be doing with the other time that is available but yes the more the more of a schedule you have because of external constraints, the less value that is. And it's like, I never felt the need to do something like this when I was employed. Whereas now it feels vital. It feels like how, like, after I left my teaching job and before I started doing this maybe about a year ago, I feel like, how did I even get by without thinking about this in the two years in between those those time frames? Does anything else, does any normal human activity other than sleep make its way onto your calendar. Um, now, I believe, if memory serves, the reason this originally came up is you had an Apple Watch notification when we were at dinner that time telling you it was time to read. Okay, yeah. So um, this conversation did come up because of the Apple Watch originally. And, and that was... The Apple Watch was very new when we were first having this conversation. I think it, it had just come out maybe a couple weeks earlier, and I was playing around with how do I want to use it. And one of the things that I have found very useful, which I'm, I'm doing again, is using the utility face on the Apple Watch, which at the bottom allows it to display what your current calendar item is. And I really like this. I, th- I think this is this is a very nice feature and even as someone who doesn't have as many appointments as most people do because of the meadow yeah because of my meadow Mm -hmm. my life is the meadow yeah (laughs) i have found it in the past couple weeks uh, of switching back to the utility watch phase really helpful that when i happen to check the time my watch isn't showing me a what's next on your calendar in the way it would do for normal people. It always shows me at the bottom, what did past you think would be the best thing for you to be doing right now? And so in theory, if this is a perfect day, when you happen to check the time, as you do many dozens of times over the course of a day, my watch always shows me at the bottom, this is what, if you have a perfect week, you should be doing right now. And I find that a, like a very helpful, hmm. almost like a, like a compass or like a north star, sort of always pointing the way towards what you should do. That's an interesting way of putting that. To me, that just feels like judging. See, it's not judgment at all. It is just guidance. Because this is one of the, the, the things that is very hard for me to communicate to people. Even though I am looking right now at a calendar on my computer that has a two-week time frame where literally every single hour is blocked off, what that is is guidance to me. Right? It is not a requirement. And many, many times I just totally blow off what that calendar says and this past week has actually been a great example for the last seven days i have totally blown off everything that's on my calendar because i have been busy animating and and getting in a 
and getting a video ready to upload, which is actually processing in the background as we record this episode. Uh, but so I don't feel like, oh, my calendar is judging me because I'm not following through on, on what it says. Instead, it feels like, no, I am a person who has made a decision that if I want to get this video up by this particular date, I'm having to blow everything off on the calendar. That's, that's part of what it is. Like, this can be revised. It's not chiseled into stone. It is a thing that is adaptable. And when I'm being particularly good about things, I will just delete everything off the calendar now when I make that decision. So like the past few days, I have had nothing on the calendar because I know like I'm just going to be animating as much as I can and taking breaks when I feel like I need to and then going back to animating. And there's no point in trying to put this on the calendar. I'm just going to be grinding through stuff. So it's it isn't judgment. It's guidance. It's helpful guidance from a past me. That's what it is. Do you have lots of shared calendars? Me and you share a calendar. Do you do this over people? Oh my god. Okay, let me let me tell you all my calendars here, Mike, before we talk about shared calendars. Okay, I have UK holidays, US holidays, posts, which is any kind of thing that I'm going to post on the website, changes, a social calendar, a personal calendar, a work calendar, uh, a miscellaneous calendar, a hello internet calendar, a cortex calendar, a free time calendar, a health calendar, a high intensity work calendar, a low intensity work calendar, and a landscape calendar. These are all the calendars that I have. Wait, what's landscape? Oh man, landscape is super useful. Okay. Uh, landscape is a thing where I want to be aware of something that is going on in the world that doesn't necessarily affect me directly. So, for example, I have you on my landscape calendar on oh, this God. Thursday as Mike in Dallas. Anytime somebody else is doing something that I want to be aware of, that goes on the landscape. I, I think of this as like the landscape of people around me and how accessible are they. You could also call it stalking calendar. It's not stalking calendar. I only put it on if it's ever going to matter. Like sometimes I might need to get in touch with you and it's helpful to be aware of, oh, you aren't around. Yeah. So for example, on Hello Internet, Brady's doing just a ton of traveling this year. So I have a bunch of things where I know he is not going to be around, where I have it marked off as like Brady is not going to be available. I even put on things like uh, I have WWDC marked off, which is this summer. I don't have any plans to go to WWDC, but a lot of people that I interact with, I know will be less available during that week. Or on the YouTube side of things, like I have VidCon marked off on my calendar in landscape. Again, I have no intention to go to VidCon, but I need to just be aware, like, oh, if I'm trying to reach some YouTube people, like they're, it's going to be very hard to reach them on that day because it's VidCon. And so... Anything like that I like to put on that landscape calendar. Future potential conferences that people make reference to, uh, travel plans for other people, just anything that's going on that might affect my ability to get in touch with other people or might affect what's going on in my own life, I will put on there. Oh, another example of a thing that I put on there which is useful is on the occasions I've had family visiting me here in London, I want to be able to block off like when is this going to happen so that I'm aware if someone else wants to try to schedule something, say, during a week, if my parents are visiting or something. Like, I am less available to other people during this time. So that's what the landscape calendar is for. It's very useful. I highly recommend it. Yeah, that one does sound pretty useful, I've got to say. 
Yeah, see? You, you, I'm convincing you here. You sounded so skeptical at first, but this is good. Okay, so shared calendars then. Oh, my God. So yeah. you have shared calendars with lots of people. Yeah. Is anybody allowed to put something on your calendar? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. In terms of shared calendars, I have a shared calendar with my wife, which is for various social events. So I'm aware of when she will be out of the house or when we are doing something together with other people. So obviously that's shared between my wife and I. And for the most part, my wife adds things to that because I am an anti-social hermit, right? And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. social things. Like I don't want to plan for or put these things on a calendar. So if if I had to do all of our social arrangements, we would have no social arrangements. It's probably more accurate accurate to say that your wife has a social calendar that she invited you to. That is actually what happened. Yes, yeah. that's correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we have that, that social calendar. Uh, the Hello Internet calendar obviously is shared between myself and Brady, which we use for planning recording. There's a Cortex calendar, which is shared between you and myself, which is also used for planning the recording. But on all of those shared calendars, I also have my personal assistant shared across those things. So she is aware of when I am available or not available for things. Yeah, as I found out to my surprise one day. Well, yes, yes. You you were annoyed because I had my assistant bulk update a bunch of Cortex uh, posting dates. <laughs> so it wasn't you... so much that I was annoyed. It was like, who is this person in my calendar? <laughs> right. Who just added 20 events over the next couple months for episode release dates. Yes. But the most important calendar that my assistant is in charge of, which is shared between us, is the calendar that I call changes and you, you know how in um what are you laughing at it's a great name what, what's what's, what's funny know. about the name changes it's just so funny to me about it like what do you think changes is for i don't know i i don't know i don't know it's i don't know what it could be just the just the, the calendar with the name changes is just a very peculiar name to me no okay so changes is for anything that is different in the week that I almost certainly need to be notified that it's different. So this is, for example, like looking at my changes calendar for this upcoming week, uh, listed on there, like tomorrow I have a boring business bank appointment that I have to go to. Uh, On Thursday I have a medical examination that I need to go to. So those two things are listed on this changes calendar because I'm going to want alerts ahead of time to remind me to pop up on my watch or whatever that I need to go to these things but like a bank appointment is not going to be a recurring event like this isn't going to be every other week I go to the bank it's just going to happen this one time isn't this just like an appointments calendar then why is it changes isn't this just an appointment yeah I I mean I guess it could be appointments but to me changes feels like the right word because, I mean, I guess I, in, in some ways I could almost title this calendar Interruptions to My Life. But Changes is just a shorter way of saying that. It's like, there's a normal week, and then here are the changes in that week. So, yeah, I guess it is an appointments calendar, really. But okay. Changes is the word I the use. The reason I asked that is, I know I'm being, that's just semantics, but I wanted to know if there was more to that calendar than that. You know, like I have a calendar that's just called General because mm-hmm. that was the name that it was given, right? I think automatically. Mm-hmm. And that's my blue calendar. 
which is where stuff like that goes. Like, this is not a thing that would have its own calendar because it doesn't happen all the time, mm-hmm. but it's a thing that I have to do today, which is different. Mm-hmm. You know, And it might be something like go to the bank, go get a haircut, that type of thing. Yeah, so that kind of thing is useful to have. And that to me is... This changes calendar is, is like I said, in some ways is the primary default calendar because it is the one that most often I need to add something to or my assistant is adding something to. And so these are appointments that get scheduled. That's the way this works. And that's a shared calendar where I get. So it's almost always it's like, oh, I get a notification that something has been added to that. And it's like, oh, here comes an appointment. I can't wait to find out what it is. <laughs> and it's not normally happy news when something gets added. They're like, oh, got to go to the bank. I've got to go to the dentist. I've got to go to the doctor. I don't want to do it. <laughs> My assistant has a bunch of rules about how she is to add things to this calendar. So I set down a, a bunch of guidelines about, okay, never book anything before 1 p.m. unless there's absolutely no other time that it can happen because I'm very protective of my mornings and trying to do work then. And then I have, you know, preferential days about when it should be added. So it's like, okay, Tuesdays are the best days to add calendar events and Thursdays are the worst days to add calendar events. And then a few other things like, if there's already an appointment on a Tuesday, just let's book as many things on that Tuesday as we possibly can. Like I'd way rather have one day with four appointments than four days with one appointment. And so that kind of gets all clumped together if possible. That's the way I like to kind of arrange things. It's just easier, just easier to deal with that way. Yep. But yeah, so I do have very many shared calendars. Uh, I'm looking at all those little radio icons on my little sidebar there. And uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the the whole notification system with calendars is a bit weird when other people add stuff or you add stuff like everybody gets notified and it can be a little bit annoying, but uh, it's it's the best thing that works. And as we said before, I use iCloud to keep it all synchronized and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I don't have any problems with that. So are those little icons in different colors? Uh, I, as I said, I use colors for all of mine and I know all of my calendars by their colors and kind of think of them in color rather than what they are. Oh, yeah. Color. Color is vitally important, Mike. But there can't be enough colors in the, in the system to hold all the calendars you have. Oh, man. Okay, so the number of times I have thought human vision is too constrained for how many colors I want in my calendars. <laughs> right? Because we really have essentially seven colors that a human can really clearly at a glance distinguish. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not looking for Lila Confucia here. Yeah. Uh, se- seven is not enough. Seven is not enough. Um, so just just running running through my own colors, which it's so personal, but it's like, oh, I can't envision it any other way. It's been this way for, I mean, years and years. But work stuff is blue. Personal stuff is green. Health stuff is red. I have free time is blocked off in yellow. The changes calendar, it's very important. I use the color orange for the changes calendar. Not because that's the color that I want to use, but it's because it's the color that stands out the most on Apple Calendar. One thing that I am kind of frustrated with the Apple Calendar thing is how it wants to make everything super pale, which is very frustrating. Uh, But their orange color happened to stand out the most, even when it was pale. So like eight years ago, because of this way that Apple Calendar worked, like I chose orange as my changes color. And like forever until the end of time now, changes always will be in orange that david Bowie song is going to be in my head 
all day now. And I have holidays as pink and posts and podcasts and stuff are also blue because from my perspective, they are a subsection of work and purple I use for nothing because purple is an abomination. So because of the amount of calendars that I have, I effectively don't have any color overlap. Mm-hmm. So I have podcasts calendar, which is orange. And on that calendar yeah. is my recordings, but also calls and appointments related to podcasts mm-hmm. go in orange. I have a Cortex calendar, which is yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, Adina, yellow. That's, no, yellow is free time, though, Mike. That's all wrong. Well, there's nothing I could do about it. Hang on a second. Is there a gray color? Sleep is gray. All right, I need to have. I need to change the color of my cortex calendar to gray. How did I not think of this before now? <laughs> um, Adina has a calendar that she shares with me, which is just kind of things that she's doing, and that's green. Um, my general calendar is blue. Oh, this is all wrong. This is subjectively all wrong. <laughs> yeah, subject. There you go. That's it. Subjectively all wrong. Uh, I have a calendar called work, which is also green, but nothing goes on there anymore because I don't have a job. Right. Uh, uh, I have a red calendar called Holiday. Um, mm-hmm. I have a yellow calendar called Gigs for concerts, but I don't go to concerts anymore. So Cortex and Gigs being the same thing. Like Gigs hasn't been used in years. Uh, <laughs> what a bizarrely specific calendar to have. I used to go in my in my prime. I used to go to about two concerts a week. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's why that, that's there. Okay. And then uh, me and Adina have a shared calendar, which is purple. Okay. But now any gigs and concerts and stuff would go in the purple calendar because most likely me and Adina would be going together. I also have a dark blue calendar, which is uh, our live show schedule calendar, but I hide that. I don't see it because mm-hmm. I already have all of that in orange that I need to know about. And then I have a dark green calendar, which is invites to my Google account. There you go. A little little tip here for you, Mike, to get rid of that, that gigs calendar. I do have one other calendar, which is gray, which is just called old calendars. And when you go to delete a calendar that you no longer need, uh, Apple's calendar program asks if you want to move it to move all of the past events to a different calendar. Hmm. And so I have one calendar called old calendar that is just a collection of things that don't exist anymore. It's like all of the various calendars I used to have to manage uh, school stuff. I've deleted those calendars because I don't use them anymore. But the events are still all there in this grayed out old calendar. So I can go back and look and say, oh, what was, what was my schedule like when I was teaching six years ago at X school uh, in case I ever need to see it? So that, that's a way that you can still keep all of the old stuff without having to uh, have your sidebar cluttered up with calendars that you haven't used in years like you do. That's a good idea. Yeah, see? There you go. Uh, I'm currently changing. The, there we go. The, the record cortex calendar is, is, now, is now gray. There you go. That's that's I'm proud of myself now. It's a fantastic thing yeah. to do. It's, it's still the wrong color though, because gray is for sleep or for archived calendars. Oh yeah, yeah. How could I got, how could I gotten that wrong? Can't use that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so, like hearing you even describe something like uh, whatever it was just a work calendar being green. My brain just rebels against that. It's like no green. It's for personal. <laughs> but Fantastical on iOS doesn't have a gray color. So it's going back to yellow. You can pick an exact color in Fantastical. It'll it'll just sync over on iOS. Oh, it didn't it didn't do that. Oh my god! Now all my colors have changed. Why did that happen? <laughs> I, I I can't give you live tech support while we're recording a podcast, Mike. Why had they all changed? Your colors are all garbage anyway, so it doesn't matter. 
<sighs> Quick calendar tip, which I really like. This thing is a, a thing that I do all the time. Fantastical on iOS has a uh, today widget that, that you can install. But the thing that I like about it is that you can set only some calendars to appear in the today widget. And this is one of the little habits that I have that every morning I swipe down on notification center and look at that little widget because it's a great way for me to just see what things have to happen today. So in Fantastical, I have it set so that my changes calendar, the hello internet calendar, the cortex calendar, and the posts calendar are the only things that show up in that Fantastical widget. Right. So like when I, when I swipe down on it today, it shows me there are two items that are all day items, which are the posts, which is the next video and the next episode of Hello Internet are each going up today. And then it lists record cortex and it shows the exact time. So I really love that to always just have a quick little overview of, I don't want to see the whole calendar. I just want to see a subset of my calendars. And I love that. Like I use that every morning, every day to kind of orient myself about what what is going to happen today, big picture wise. Is there anything in this system that's missing? Like, is there, are there things that you wish your system did better or things that you've tried to implement and have failed to do? The one thing that I would like that I've, I have tried to replicate in, in some ways, but I wish there was, was better notifications for different kind of items. So I, I would like... Do you know that like the the do app timer that that app has this great feature, which is like this little remind me every five minutes when a timer goes off uh, feature. I absolutely love that. And I wish a calendar app had something that was similar to that, like keep bugging me about this thing when it's supposed to start. Like, don't just again, because so many of the things on my calendar are things that don't absolutely have to happen so like with with uh, going to the gym for example i would love to be able to have my calendar nag me about that repeatedly instead of just once having a little notification come up that's probably the only thing that i would like there are there are a couple ways that i'm getting around that um using a few apps we might talk about at some point in the future but it would be nice if that was directly built into a calendar I think the only thing that I'm missing is for a calendar app to complete all of the things on my calendar for me without me needing to do anything. So maybe I can join you in the meadow. Yeah, that would be that would be quite nice. I would like that too. Same with the to-do app. If I can get a to-do app that would actually do the items for me, that'd be perfect. They're all called do, but no, no they don't do anything. Do yeah, they, they don't do anything. That's worthless. It should just worthless. be called not do. <laughs> right. <laughs> Undone. That's going to be the name of my to-do app. (laughs) Today's show is also brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code Cortex at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing 
with the world. Squarespace put all of the power that you need into your hands and take away the pain points, like having to worry about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. They let you build a site that will look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. There's no coding experience required. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site to ensure security and stability, and they are trusted by millions of people around the world. You'll easily be able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want, and their site templates are fantastic to look at. They all feature responsive design. They all feature drag-and-drop design, so it'll look great on all platforms, and it's easy to put together. They have 24-7 support with their live chat and email with teams located all over the globe to help you out. They have their commerce platform, which I mentioned, which can allow anybody to add a store to their Squarespace site so you can sell physical or digital goods. If you want to stretch Squarespace even further, they have their dev platform so you can dig into the code and tinker if you so desire. And if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name and Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up for a trial today with no credit card required and start building your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. Use the code CORTEX at checkout when you decide to sign up to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring today's episode and Relay FM. Have you found us an office space yet? Us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean you, sorry. <laughs> no. I have not found us an office space. Okay. I will never find us an office space. Never say never. I'm saying never. Never say never. I already did, Mike. What if it's huge? What if I win the lottery? And offer to buy a massive complex for the two of us, but you just need to find it. And it's big enough that we'll never run into each other, but it will be the same building. Okay, listen, I will agree to that if we have separate elevators on separate sides of a building that go to separate floors. That's my conditions. There you go, Mike. All I'm, all I'm trying to do is understand the parameters. So I have now established them. That's fine. So now you can never say never. Okay, yeah, there you go. You're right. Never with an asterisk on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Functionally equivalent to never. Never say never is a problematic phrase. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, know, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> you don't need to go anywhere. But... I just left you hanging there. <laughs> uh-huh. like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so how is your office search going? <sighs> Not well, Mike. Oh, no. Not well. Not going. It's not going well at all. Uh, what I'm assuming is nowhere can provide you with what you require. So you remember a few episodes ago, we talked about the horrors of the open plan office. Mm-hmm. And so my, my initial probings into trying to find office space have revealed that the open plan office is a virus that has taken over everywhere and so like I, when i'm when i'm thinking about oh I'm, I'm going to get an office for myself like my my father is self-employed as a lawyer and when i was a kid he had various offices that he rented in different locations like then there were office buildings that had many offices that people could rent and this is sort of what i had in my mind of like i want to try to find something like this but looking around all of the relatively new office buildings, I mean, buildings within like the last 10 years, are all built as single, endless, open 
floors. Yeah. So they're like the building itself doesn't even have any structure within it to provide for private offices for people. It's just endless open floors. And so when I try to contact some places and say, oh, do you have office space for rent? They say, why, yes, we do. How many tables do you need? And it's like, oh, no, what do you mean? And like, oh, well, we have a grid of 10 by 10 tables per floor that we rent out to companies. How many of those tables would you like on a floor? Like, you got to be kidding me. That sounds awful for companies. That's not at all what I'm looking for. Do you have any private space? And like, what do you mean by private? Do you mean like with a door? No, we don't do doors. That's that's the response that I often get. Hmm. But I say the open plans thing is like a virus because even trying to find office space and what to me look like older buildings it seems like many of them on the interior have converted as much as they can to open plan space so i've seen a few buildings where i think like surely building when you were originally made because this is london right so the building's thousands of years old you weren't built with an open plan office in mind but clearly at some point you realized it was more profitable to sell office space by the desk and by the floor and so you just got rid of all of the interior walls. So it has not been promising so far, Mike. It has been it has been disappointing to be looking for a place that is private as opposed to a, a place that is just a table in a room of other tables. So you've been conducting this search personally? I have been personally approaching buildings that I am aware of, and I've had my <laughs> assistant searching out various options, and neither of them have, have returned promising results so far. I feel like you might need to go to a company, you know, that does who can provi- who can just provide this search for you. I was wondering if such a thing exists. Like, there there must be companies that can do this. There has to be. If there are letting agents for uh, personal property, there are letting agents for commercial property. Yeah, I guess there. I guess there have to be. But the problem is, is I am on a very strange scale of it. I don't think so. You're a small business. There are small businesses looking for offices. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Everything I've come across is just weirdly wrong in mm. in a in a bunch of ways, and it's it's just frustrating because it feels like I am in central London. There are offices everywhere. Like there's commercial real estate in every direction as far as the eye can see. <laughs> like there are sad office drones working in every building. I see them through all the windows, and many of those buildings have phone numbers on them that you can call about for office space, but just none of them so far have had private office space. The only places that do have private office spaces that I have found so far are unacceptable because they are out of central London. Yeah. And then suddenly is like, wait a minute. I can get some nice offices that might work for me just as a single person. But then suddenly I have made for myself a morning commute. And <laughs> I'm like that (laughs) i have worked too long and too hard to work myself back into a commute it's like no 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 i have done that for many years and i cannot imagine like i'm not getting on the underground at six in the morning for a 30 minute train ride out to the outer rim of london just to have a private office like no no no. this is come join us out here the office space is plentiful you're not 30 minutes away. You're like two hours away. I'm not two hours away. I'm 45 minutes from the center of London. 45 minutes from the center of London. You, you might as... Yeah. You're just... You're not even in London, technically, are you? No. 
Yes, there you go. It's just too far. I'm in another county. Yeah, that's no good. No good at all, Mike. Out there with your tumbleweeds. Not interested. I'm very aware of that. Don't, don't need you to tell me. <laughs> but that is exactly the problem. Like, here is here is the seductive part about living in the center of a city even for all of the the problems that it has like incredibly high costs frustratingly small places to live the seductive part about where i live is everything i need in my whole life is within walking distance and so my co-working space my gym several grocery stores a couple of parks uh, even my wife's place of employment is within walking distance. And so like I've occasionally met her after work to walk her home. Like 99% of everything I need I can walk to within 15 or 20 minutes at the absolute most. <laughs> That's just absolutely great. And so what I would just, I just want like magically there to be an office space that I can rent that is also within this tiny radius of of my world. But so far... So far, nothing, Mike. It is sad. It is disappointing. We did have some follow-up about your working environment in general because there were quite a few people taken with how you were working and the kind of constraints that you put yourself in during mm-hmm. Workcation 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fireball73 on Reddit um, pointed out something that you were surprised about um, that I thought was very interesting, which was the idea that uh, many bands go to remote locations to record their albums. This is a very normal thing. So, for example, a band from London may go to a recording studio in L.A. Mm-hmm. to record their album. And this can be for, for a few different reasons, but sometimes it's just to get the feel of a different city to help them with the music, right? Like to, to kind of inspire them creatively. So mm-hmm. they're in different surroundings and it might make them uh, record different sounding music. You know, some people will go to a specific place because they're trying to capture the sound of that place um, mm-hmm. in their in their music. And some people do it so they're just away from the usual distractions of their day. Um, I'm not sure if you were trying to capture the sights and sounds of Amsterdam for your nope. recent video nope. um, or not. You know, I guess people can make their mind up about that uh, depending on how many colors are in the video, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this is something that you're clearly not alone in doing. I know I'm not alone in doing this. Yeah, I didn't know I didn't know about bands because yeah. I'm not interested in the world of music really. But I, yeah, I was I was surprised by that. Like, oh, is this a thing? And apparently, it is a thing. But it it makes sense in retrospect. That like, oh yeah, of course that that is something that I could see bands definitely doing for the exact same reasons that I did it. It's like yeah, having a different environment and also having a environment where you are out of the normalcy of your life is very effective for limited periods of time. And also uh, Mead Pie on Reddit um, mm-hmm. wondered if, and I, I thought this was quite an interesting idea, if your brain could maybe be tricked via different lighting into thinking that you're working in different scenarios, had you considered something like this? So they suggested maybe one of these uh, bulbs that you can change the lights of, like a Philips Hue or something like that. Oh, Mike, my house already has Hue light bulbs in every socket. What do you use them for? I I first thought that this was, I don't know, like a gimmick, the, the Hue light bulbs. I can't remember why I got the very first one, but I had some specific reason why I wanted to just try one out. And then as soon as you have one, you go, oh, I want every light bulb in the house to be just like this. Um, 
they are surprisingly, surprisingly handy. And the, the thing that's really great is, uh, again, on Notification Center, when I pull it down on any of my iOS devices, I use an app called iConnectHue. And this allows me to have presets for the lights in the house. So at any point, I can turn all the lights on and off or change it to a whole bunch of presets that my, my wife and I have made. And it is just really great and really convenient to be able to do that. So we have different settings for movies. We have we have two movie settings, one which is called Serious Movie, and then we have another one which is called Not-So-Serious Movie, which is depending on how much we want the lights <laughs> up or down when we're watching a movie together. So Not-So-Serious Movie has brighter lights because we're going to be getting up and going to the kitchen and moving around more because we're not paying attention as much. There's a setting that I use all the time, which is that I tend to go to bed much earlier than my wife does, but she doesn't want the the lights in the bedroom all the way off when she comes to bed because she can't find her way in the room like and doesn't want to stumble over stuff. So I have a, a setting that I use which has the lights very low and very red in the bedroom when I'm going to sleep. So like it doesn't bother me, but it's still visible for her to, to move around. Like, boy, is that great. And I use that mm. every single day. There are a few other things that uh, we use them for. But this, this person mentioning about uh, tricking with the lighting, like my wife does have it set so that all of the lights in the house slowly come on when she gets up in the morning. She wakes up uh, later than I usually do. And like that is a very nice feature. She also has one of these Philips uh, sunrise alarm clocks, which try to wake you by having this kind of fake sunrise happen in the room i wish i could use these because i wake up earlier than my wife and it doesn't make sense for for the for her to wake up at the time that i'm going to wake up so if one of us is going to get the sunrise it's going to be her but let me tell you anybody out there who's trying to wake up in the mornings the the light trick is amazingly effective like it really does help you wake up quite naturally to have the lights slowly come on like the half an hour before you want to wake up. You should totally do it. I really want one of these. I really want one of these light bulb systems. Um, mm. The only reason we haven't done it is I don't know what the light fixtures are going to be in the house we moved to. Right. So I don't want to go ahead and buy all of that stuff now and then have to change it in six months. It's a big investment. Like the Hue light bulbs are not cheap. They're not cheap at all. Uh, so you don't want to buy a whole bunch and then and then realize you need different ones in six months. That that's no good. So have you tried anything like this to to maybe have a setting for podcast editing, a setting for script writing, and to maybe try and trick your brain into the different location that way? I don't explicitly do that with work. I do I do sort of do it because I like the lights at a different setting than my wife does. So I like them much whiter and brighter than she does. And so when she's gone, I set them that way. And then I have them actually automatically slowly set back to her preferred setting um, around the time that she comes home. So there, there is this interesting thing that happens in your brain. Like I am ambiently aware of about the time she is coming home because the lights have changed ever so slightly. Like it's interesting that your brain does learn to pick up on these cues. I, I'm not sure that... Like the lighting effect I imagine is maybe five or ten percent helpful. And I think ninety percent of the battle for me is having a different location that I can go to that is not working in my house. 
So while I can say like, oh yeah, maybe they would be helpful, really what I still just want to focus on is trying to find an office and a dedicated space for writing and editing work and things like that. That That's going to help me way more than messing around with the lights and trying to train my brain that like, ooh, when the lights are blue, you're supposed to be writing. And Gabriel suggested the idea of if me and you were to ever share a desk space. I know it's never going to happen. Yeah, we're not going to share a desk yes, space. Yes, okay. It would make for a fantastic sitcom, which I agree with. Um, and I, I have a title for that sitcom. If we ever decided to go ahead and, and make it. Maybe no. YouTube can throw some of that red money our way. No. And we can make an original. And I feel like we should call it The Grey Area. No. That's such a good name. I'm just saying, YouTube, if you want to throw some money, because he, you know, Gray will bend to this if you throw enough money at him. You said before that he'll sell out, so you can you can call me. Uh, we a picture of my business cards in the show notes, so just send me a note. Make it happen. The gray area. There need to be so many zeros on that check. So many zeros. They got the money. Can we just briefly mention American Truck Simulator? I have nothing to add about this. I think it's like, it just, it's, let's not talk about that now. Well, I want to talk about it because I've been playing the hell out of it. Yeah, I know you have, but, but let's save it until next time. The hell out of it. I have made many trips. I'm saving for a truck. Yeah, sure, yeah, we'll talk about it next time. <laughs>